Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the last standee. It's a continuing mission to explore strange new genres, to seek out new games and new mechanics, to boldly roll where no one has rolled before. I'm First Officer Fenn, and here on the bridge of the last standee, I am joined by Admiral Alexis. Coming from the Space Federation of Belgium, Admiral Alexis. And Commander Kara. Wait, I'm sorry, my, my head, headphones aren't working. <laughs> oh no! Uh, we, we've already got technical difficulties. We've lost, we've lost Commander Car to the void. Comms are down, quick, check it out. Well, it's okay. <laughs> we heard her. Uh, today we'll navigate our way to the bountiful water world of Fleet the Dice Game before slingshotting through Azire, Legends of a Drift system, and finally getting into a pitched battle with Star Wars X-Wing the Miniatures game. But before that, we'll check in with our officers and see how they're doing. So report in, Admiral. <laughs> well, uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks, the one thing that I've uh, really enjoyed and that I wanted to talk about for a couple of minutes here quickly is uh, I'm pretty sure that everybody that plays uh, tabletop games uh, because of COVID and because of usually uh, finding people is uh, hard sometimes has used Roll20 in the past. Uh, I have used Roll20 for years and years, and I've always thought that it was uh, kind of a crappy service, but the best that there was. Well, recently I've discovered uh, Foundry Virtual Tabletop, and uh, it's been a pretty amazing experience. I, I, the, the only problem is that there's no really any good uh, demo version, so you kind of have to just uh, take the plunge for 40 euros, which is kind of expensive, but it is so much better than Roll20. Um, I've had to play both games through distance for the, the since the start of the pandemic, um, and uh, Foundry just uh, changed everything. It's so much better. It has a very strong community that has done a ton of modules and a fan-made uh, modification to allow people to uh, bring in their own system for every uh, different types of uh, tabletop games. And it's just, it's it's worked so well, and I'm really happy about it. So, yeah, uh, I would recommend anybody that like uh, tabletop games to just check out Foundry Virtual Tabletop, and they probably have a module for the, whichever game system that you like, and it's probably uh, a lot better than anything else on the market. Uh, even the official D&D stuff uh, does not compare to the to Foundry. Uh, I would really recommend it. Mm, uh, yeah, I use Foundry for uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, uh, and it's been it's been good. It hasn't been perfect. Um, there's been a few clashes in modules and difficulty mm. setting up the server and things, but it has been it's it's got some impressive stuff in it. Uh, I'd also like to briefly um, also say Fantasy Grounds has been really good. Um, it's less flashy than. Uh, then I want to say Forge because I run Foundry via the Forge service. <laughs> so Foundry, um, it's been better for my personal um, use when we're playing Call of Cthulhu um, we're, because we're still playing Complete Masks. We're about to take a break on Warhammer at the end of Death on the Reich, um, just before my favourite story happens in that campaign. And we're going to move to Egypt in the Complete Masks. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I, I can also say... Uh, Foundry has been 
very good. Yeah, I I've played uh, Lancer with it, which is um, which has a lot of different system and like the different ways to calculate movement or uh, use certain items. It's it's not too complicated, but it can be a lot, especially if you're using a third-party uh, system instead of just playing on a table. And Foundry has modules that handle all of it, and it's really good about it. So, uh, yeah, at least for Lancer, I can say it's amazing. Uh, and I've played a bit of a mock book with it, and it also works really well. Uh, oh, well so, yeah. That's great. Uh, Let's check the communication channels and see if uh, if Kamadakara is now available. Yes, yes, all problems with communication have been resolved. I, I had a look and I think we took some damage from an asteroid that broke the uh, the communications array, but it, everything seems to be sorted now. Chief uh, Chief Engineer Hamster got it cleared out. Yes, yes. How have you been? Um, well, I'm fine. Um... I did get to play Everdell, uh, like on Friday, and uh, it was the first game night during the pandemic <laughs> I had. So um, that was fun, and um, it it was really incredible because something happened that has never happened to me in any game before. You know, basically any game that decides winner with victory points has some kind of tiebreaker in, it. Yeah, in case like of the five people that are playing to have the same score, then you count their coins or whatever. And some games have a second tiebreaker and I've, I've never seen a second tiebreaker being used. This time we were three players. We all had 57 points. So we went to the first tiebreaker, um, which is how many events everyone has. Uh, two of us had two events each, so we actually had to go to the third tiebreaker. This was interesting. Um, <clears throat> so there is a, actually a reason why you might need tiebreakers. Yeah, um, apart from that, I um, did get around to play a couple of uh, games solo. Um, Atlantis Rising, um, what was it? Petricore and Winterhaven Woods, which made me realize that games do solo modes very differently. And also the explanations in the rule books. Um, there are games that do it better and games that do it worse. Like the worst thing is um, some explanation like, yeah, just, you know, follow the normal rules with these exceptions. And then you sit there and have to flip pages uh, back and forth uh, because you have not one place where just everything is listed. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes a solo player's handbook specifically could be helpful that's when you tend to go off the board game geek and, and be like okay can i have a reference sheet for solo play please yeah i mean for for example petricore i think does it really bad because um i mean it's fine if it's like okay you know follow all normal rules except when it's set different here but then it's like okay you know do this action just like normally but change this so it's not like they write the whole new action there but 
just the part that has changed. So I have to read what has changed and I have to flip 10 pages back to where the action is described and it's like a whole paragraph. So I have to read through it and then flip forward again and look, okay, uh, and what has changed now exactly? Mm -hmm. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I know the feeling, I really do. Uh, even had the feeling with one of the games, uh, well, two of the games that we're talking about today have solo modes and one of them really i had to learn it solo and it resulted in a lot of flipping back and forth between the main rules and the solo specific rules of being like oh <laughs> well, i can imagine that it gets that very complicated solo um i don't know if you know which one i'm talking about but it might not be the one you're thinking of uh so before we go on our trek though i'm gonna consult the captain's log and talk about very briefly two spaced games i wanted to fit into this i didn't have the room um so i'm gonna very briefly just say hey look out for these i thoroughly recommend them i've had immense fun playing both of them um and they are the the captain is dead which is a two to seven player cooperative game basically the concept is, hey, you're on like a, the end of a, an episode of, of a space kind of series. And, oh, no, the captain's just been killed and everything's gone to heck. And you and the crew have to manage the ship and make sure it doesn't get blown up by the invaders and just handle that. It's it's like a very bright, colorful pandemic style of mechanics but with a lot of emphasis on the thematic experience so you can teleport stuff around you can move all over the place it's got an absurd number of characters you can play as uh, including everyone's personal favorite you can just play the red shirts as in your character is the only character in the game who can die uh, and they can take damage to protect other characters and then when they die a new red shirt comes into the picture and takes over the job which is really fun it's got a nice sense of humor there's three different episodes there's the original captain is dead which is a spaceship under attack there's captain is dead lockdown where everyone's been caught and they're on a alien ship as prisoners and then there's captain is dead dangerous planet which is quite a bit of a break from the other two it's more of a tower defense style game um i would just thoroughly recommend the first captain is dead there's a a app version of it on steam um I like the app version, but the sound effects are really obnoxious. Um, so Captain is Dead, brilliant. And then the other one is a Kickstarter that arrived for me recently. It's probably hard to find. It's called Adele, um, which is an acronym. And in, in essence, it's a mission to Mars. And like 2001 AD, a space odyssey, the computer's gone rogue and is now looking to kill the crew. Um, one player plays as Adele. Everyone else plays as the crew, and the crew have two different missions they're trying to achieve. They're either looking to, like, a, I think it's abandoned ship, or blow up, uh, destroy Adele. Um, and the really interesting part of it is, first of all, they've given you a solo mode, a cooperative mode, a, camp, a cooperative and solo campaign, and there is an expansion. Why is the dog going upstairs? Um, okay. Uh, there's an expansion where one player plays an alien force that's invading the ship instead of Adele as the hostile. But the thing I love and thought was really cool is this is a one versus many game where normally the hidden information all is in the hands of the single player. Um, and this, it's mostly face up, but the hidden information is in the hands of the astronauts. And there's this rule that 
well, Adele is the ship. Adele's in the ship. The players are not allowed to do any kind of secret whispering or quiet conversation or pass notes. Everything has to be talked about openly so Adele can hear it. Um, except if two astronauts get into the same room, they can share information. And that's important because each astronaut has, they know what two of the missions are, one or two of the missions each. So they can like get together and secretly show and say, look, here, this is what I'm, this is what I know we need to do. And this, and then the other person's like, great, well, we need to do this. And then you have these joyous conversations where the two players who are aware of each other's information are trying to talk about it without giving too much away. Because if Adele knows where you're trying to go, she can just shut you down. So you've got to be clever about it. That's it's quite claustrophobic. really fun. It is. It's 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 got double-sided boards. It's gorgeous. Um, I love the artwork, and the Kickstarter was one of those ones that just happened along in the background, and suddenly I was like, "Oh, it's it's complete and it's arrived," and it caught me off guard as it turned up, and I was like, "Wow, this is this was a nice Kickstarter experience." So it's a dot d dot e dot l dot e dot. Uh, it's from DMZ Games. It's designed by Albert Reyes. Um, and illustrated by Jose Soto. And if you do see it around and you think, I like the sounds of 2001 Space Odyssey, the board game, with some a fairly substantial amount of options, although some of those might be just Kickstarter options. I don't know. Um, some of it was like, it seemed like it was Kickstarter bonus stuff. But uh, yeah, thumbs up. So I just wanted to quickly mini review those two games because they're on theme and they both deserve more highlighting so with that out of the way let us set phases for stun as we travel to the aquatic land of fleet the dice game admiral tell us all about this salty game of brine tall tales and chucking dice oh i thought that we were going to talk about starfleet um <coughs> well I, i'll i'll um reconvene a little bit and try to stay on to this uh, sci-fi topic to talk about um, a game about fishermen. Not not really in team, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hey, hey, it's all about fish and ships today. <laughs> fish and ships. Uh, <laughs> so it, it is a very straightforward uh, dice rolling game about being a fisherman. Um, it's actually the dice version of a, of a card game that I like a lot, that's just called Fleet, and that is very fun, um, kind of a fast-paced, um, you can play it under 30 minutes with friends. Uh, the dice game kind of keeps the same um, ideal. I think that with um, with three players, the longest that I had was a 45-minute game. Um, as soon as you you know the rules, it's pretty quick. It's pretty fun. Um, it's very straightforward. The idea is that you are going to roll the dice on your on the start of your turn to determine which um, type of fish you're going to invest in. Uh, they can be different. Uh, you can go for a, a ship that will to, uh, like a license that will help you catch lobster, uh, one that will help you catch uh, cod, another for swordfish. Uh, and each one of those is going to give you a few bonuses, uh, as well as uh, award you fishing uh, ships. And then you do a second phase that's going to give you some income, depending on what you have. If you are doing for, if you are going for um, lobsters, you're going to get extra cash, for example. Um, then one turn out of two, you're going to have a fishing phase that will just fill your boat slowly. 
And then uh, you're going to have an arbor face in which you're going to roll dice and everybody's going to pick one uh, action to do at the, in the arbor that's going to give you some different bonus or different ways to get uh, victory points. Um, and the game just goes on like this. It doesn't do anything unique, I want to say. But everything that it does, it does it extremely well. Uh, there's lots of choice and uh, different tactics that you, that you can go with the game. At all points, it always feels like you can do something and you can go towards something. And it's very rare that you have a turn and you feel like, oh, this turn is just wasted. Uh, there's, this, there's a lot of dice rolling, but because every player... Um, pick a die out of the, the die pool. It's kind of a kind of like a draft. Um, it never feels too restricted. And if you can't go for, uh, if none of the die interests you, you can always decide to default to just gaining, uh, gaining one coin, which is not the best, but it, it functions. Um, and yeah, it's a very fun game because it never feels like you're locked into something. Um, in the three games that I've played. I've played solo, I've played with one person, I've played with three people. Um, the game has been um, fairly quick and the score at the end have been uh, very close to one another uh, and I, I truly enjoyed it. Um, it has also a solo mode and I think that oh, I should have looked that up. Uh, I think that it was in the top 30 uh, best solo game of uh, BGG in 2021. I want to say, um, I'll, I'll look up the, the correct um, place and I'll update it into the, the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and it, it's definitely worth that place because it's just really fun to play to play solo uh, or with people. Uh, and I think that Fen played it for a fair bit too. So yeah, uh, I was gonna get yeah. a chip in a bit with some some of the features I really like. So. First of all, to start with the solo mode, it's interesting because the AI, instead of competing against you for a score, it locks down sections of the um, of the scoring pads from the bottom upwards by selecting dice. So you'll roll the same as a two-player game. So you'll in the fishing phase, you'll get three dice, and on even turns, I believe you go first i can't remember it swaps around on odds and even turns but anyway um you'll pick one and then the ai will pick one and then you both get an effect on the last dice so you're looking at it and 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 the ai will rotate through the different um like catch types to uh which are shrimp cod lobster swordfish and oyster um gradually so you you get an idea of what the ai is going to be aiming for and you can be like oh that's really important i don't want them taking the bottom section of the cod off because that's my strategy so i better take the cod dice away even though maybe i would prefer to have shrimp um so that was really cool i also like how each fish type has a different focus to change your strategy so shrimps give you wild dice so the the shrimp becomes any face you like and then it starts becoming any face plus a bonus star and at highest level you get that face twice and a bonus star and it's it's really powerful but then the cod gives you money for launching boats and as you gain money you'll hit these star points and they're, they're they're really cool they give you that gambling kick of hey i get a bonus and you can just color in anything else straight away and that might trigger another bonus 
and off you go. Yeah, getting getting good income at the start doesn't feel like much, but sometimes you can get two, three bonus action per turn. It gets very strong. Yeah, it does. It starts piling up, especially when you look at it, you go, oh, I have to pick the three coin face. And then you realize the three coin face is giving you a first star on your first turn. And you're like, oh, great. Actually, that means I can color in something else. Um, I like the boat mechanics as well, where you gradually, as you improve your track of a given thing, like say lobster, you'll get more, uh, you'll first get a license, which gives you a static bonus, but then you'll start getting boats. And then on fishing phases, which happen each even round, the boats will start filling up. And if you fill them completely, there's benefits for doing that. And that's just like one of the two pads. The other one has King Crab on it, which is like a, it's not so easy to, to get going on King Crab. Um, yeah, it requires like four or five actions to get your first license. Yeah, and your license is pretty much like pure victory points. So it doesn't give you b cool bonus abilities. Um, so that's that's interesting. But also the harbour area has uh, the captain's club, which can give you bonus fishing rounds, which is great for, oh, I need to finish this boat. Boom. Um, or research vessels, which are just victory points and stuff. Especially if you have the uh, swordfish that gives you extra action whenever you do a fishing phase. Uh, so yeah. getting for the, the captain's boat that gives you extra fishing space also gives you extra action, and you can get uh, you can get some very fun combos. Yeah, it's it's interesting how the dice are split in that you first roll your fishing dice, which is one more than the number of players, and that you know everyone takes one and everyone shares the last one. And then you roll a separate set of dice for the build the the town phase, so to speak. And uh, you might, as I said, start building stuff in the harbor, or you may just go uh, off into the wharf, um, which is where you can like build buildings for extra victory points of various types. <clears throat> or the market where you just go, how much fish have I got? I'll get that many extra coins, which is cool. But I did briefly want to mention the expansion. Because when I got it, it came with the expansion. It's called Dicey Waters. It gives you a second pad. And um, basically, whenever you... I need to remember this exactly. It's whenever you take the coin um, thing, you're allowed to then check a box in the fishing. I think it's you, you, in, the, yeah, in the fishing village. And they give you a bunch of extra abilities there. So it's got this whole other area where you're kind of pushing on it um, and, and juggling back and forth between the two. So I really like Fleet. It, I like how easy it is to operate and, and how it gives you a bunch of different strategies and things to do. And I really, I'm really excited that the app's coming out soon. Yes, I, I really like a uh, tiny board game that you can just pick up, uh, get playing, explain the rules in, in 10 minutes and just have a, a game going and, and play with friends. It's a it's a really nice one. The biggest problem right now <laughs> regarding uh, Fleet is that it's very hard to find. Um, I, it is. Yeah, I, I've been looking at my... Um, uh, gaming shop, local gaming shop, trying to, to find when they will restock, but no idea. Yeah. Um, well, that's the good thing is that the app's coming out. And yes. That should be out sometime this year. And I think this is an ideal app game. It'll be like Cartographers, which I was perfectly happy to spend like four euros on. But I like rolling physical die. <laughs> I like it as well. Um, 
but I, I think the other reason you're having trouble getting it is this is number 20 in the Eagle Griffins bookcase series and people just collect that series. I got one to 10 and then I haven't got anything until 20 and now I'm like, oh no. Why did this have to be number 20? Um, and believe you me, like numbers one to 10, they include some amazing stuff like roll through the ages um, and for sale. And they can include some absolute stinkers. So you, if, if you collect them, you have to buy some bad games. So just get Fleet. Just get it on the app or something. So you don't have to worry about that box sitting there with a 20 on the end of it and going, I could have more. All right. Uh, Cara, you have not played it uh, as far as I know, right? No, I, I did watch um, a video about the solo rules and a playthrough. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't have m that much experience with role it, and rights. It is very straightforward. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. Um, but it's a very roll and write, roll and write. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it reminds me a little bit of the pinball game as well, which is also very roll and write. Or um, uh, that's pretty clever. Has that, a lot of this as well. That's actually maybe the the one. Uh one point that I want to point out regarding Fleet is that I, I think that it could just have done with a, an indented uh, cardboard uh, character sheet, well, uh, like a write-down sheet. Uh, I don't like games with pads because I always feel bad about writing on them. I know I can always print them, but it, it's not very ecological. It could just be uh, cubes onto a, onto a sheet. Yeah, I don't need to write anything. It's just like filling up boxes. The trouble is pads are cheap uh, to produce. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I agree. I'd like a double... In, I was, when I was playing Fleet, the actual thought went through my head was I wish I had a double-layered yeah. uh, cardboard board and I was just like putting cubes in to track what I was doing. Or I had what they have with uh, Railroad Inc., which is a reusable whiteboard marker pad and all I ever need to worry about is oh eventually I'll have to replace the pens yeah it's so. definitely the kind of game that where you could just laminate the sheets and uh and play with that but I mean honestly with, with all these games that use pads in some way I've never used them up completely so that that is true but it's always that feeling of uh <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. And like, I, if there's a I, scoring pad, I hesitate to write on it because yeah. I think, what if it runs out? Even though See, there are like you're, 50 you're pages. okay. <laughs> you'll be you'll be fine. Here's my tip. All right, you use the pad, and when you get down to the last ten or so, you buy yourself a laminator and you laminate the last like set of pads equal to the number of players, and then you've got rewritable ones. You're fine. It's what I've done. I had to do with um, Tales of uh, Trails of Tucana, which I really love, um, I, and cartographers. Uh, I had to get myself some just handmade, laminated, rewritable things. So, plastic—that's the answer. Hooray! Uh, some places I think they let you buy a new pad, but nobody—you're right. Nobody wants an empty box sitting on their shelf that they're like. Anyway, <clears throat> next up, uh, we've got to shut down the hollow deck and take a sift through the chaotic star system of Zaya Legends of a Drift system, which is one of my favorite solo games. Um, and it's one I've always had an enjoyable time playing with other people, even though I do terribly every time I do. So Zaya is, I want to say a sandbox game, but like that's not really a board game genre. Um, but that's literally what they pitch it as. Uh, so I guess it's 
along with Sleeping Gods, one of the only sandbox games I've played. But it's nothing like Sleeping Gods. Uh, so it's it's a very ostentatious, very American production filled with dice chucking and randomness and all sorts of nonsense. You're a, you start off with a tiny, like, rubbish little ship that's got... Uh, a few spaces on it, enough to fit maybe a big engine and uh, some shields and maybe a tiny gun if you want a gun and some cargo. And then you just got to go off and become the most famous pilot by doing things. And you can get um, fame points, which is the scoring mechanism through uh, attacking other ships or through upgrading your ship or being really good at trading, exploring, being brave enough to jump through a warp gate. It's got a, a load of different ways and it's very overwhelming when you sit down at first and you look at this bunch of really bright, uh, exciting, nicely made um, hex, 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 hexes? They're hex hexes, aren't they? They're like, I don't know how many hexes are on them, but they're, they're hexes made up of hexagons. <laughs> um, and you'll have like hex one tiles. in the middle. Yes, hex tiles. You have one in the middle um, and you'll have um, one for each player that's in the game and lay it out and everyone will start on a spawn point and have at it i've played games like this where everyone's peacefully exploring around and just trading i've played games where someone's just gone full cutthroat and started like blowing anyone up who tries to do anything it's like you've got cargo have you gimme um and it's it's just great for the emergent storytelling um and also as i saw when we played it's apparently really good as well if you if you fancy calculating the odds to do an incredible maneuver of like jetting across the galaxy in a single turn and going salvage here harvest here and then mine here well i I, i've never seen anyone achieve that before and it was like it took you a couple of tries to get it right kara but it was really cool and that secured you the victory yeah yeah it did um that's that's what i think's neat as well is the game goes decide how many faint points you want to play to to adjust the length we played to 10 it was a learning game it took around three hours um a full game, they say 20, 20 fame points. Uh, yeah, but once you know what you're doing, you get fame points a lot quicker. The first few games of Zaya are always you prodding the engine of the game engine, not your ship engine. Maybe, maybe Alexis, you should have prodded your ship engine because it seemed garbage. Yeah, my ship engine was really... Uh... <laughs> crippled me at the start i was <laughs> didn't you get didn't you move like one space followed by one space followed by two or something <laughs> it, was something yes. it was something stupid like that it was like i guess your ship takes a while to warm up meanwhile yeah. i built one with a giant engine and nothing else going on it and i did nothing but run out of energy <laughs> drift aimlessly in space because i miscalculated um... uh, so yeah how, how did you guys find it it is i gotta say it's it's a game that I don't think it's the best game I've ever played, but it's a game that always has a few really enjoyable moments that I look back on and go, that was kind of hilarious. And what I don't mind doing really badly at. I do like, I do think that the, the game works best as a, as a storytelling device. And I think that we didn't engage with it uh, that way as much, but I think that the little stories, the little events that happens, uh, for example, when I tried to, uh, smuggle so, uh, some cargo going through the uh, the, def- the planetary defense of um, of a lawful planet, and then immediately ran into an asteroid uh, after getting my first bounty. Um, or, or, or the story of Kara's uh, massive 
a slingshot maneuver to get into the, the different uh, mining and harvesting spots all over the map because we had a map generation that did not work for that objective, but Kara made it work. I think that those aspects of the game are really fun. Um, maybe it was also because it was a, a learning game, so the the three hours to to play those uh, those stem theme points felt a bit long, but towards the end of the game once i started grasping how the game worked and realized how i could make money and how i could get points i was enjoying myself a lot better i think that there's a lot of different action and a lot of different uh juggling between everything that you can do uh and like learning that is probably what uh what really uh slowed the game down at the start but once once it's it's known uh turns can get a lot quicker and a lot more uh, interesting and a lot more fast. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah. 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 I, I think, I think you're right. Um, in my experience, the game does gain velocity when you've got experience with it. And also as you get further into a game, it's also, you can just stall out and not get anywhere because if you're trying to make money or as, as my wonderful ex, uh, experience was, I put, picked up a card that said go to go to asteroid field tk421 <laughs> and um, it never popped and it never popped i found it like right near the end of the game after i'd gone and gotten hit by an ice asteroid and my ship had turned into a giant popsicle and i crashed into another asteroid and claimed the insurance <laughs> um it uh, it finally turned up but that was too late i'd lost the mission at that point um so i i my problem was i wasn't being focused when i was playing because i was sort of like teaching the rules and trying to answer questions. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. not about... I, I think that the game works best when it's telling stories rather than mm -hmm. I need to win. Uh, uh, what about you, Carl? My first impression was, oh my god. Um, I mean, I, I do like clear, structured designs and, you know, just having information easily readable and available and you know not too many colors so um and i looked at this game and thought oh my god someone just broke open the cabinet with uh, design pieces and spewed everything over the table um <laughs> that's that's brilliant that's such a good description of the game on the table <laughs> it, it's very information overload the game yes and it starts that way as well i mean before you even start playing, you have to make the decision, hey, what modules do you want on your ship? And it's like, I have no idea how this game is played. What do you want from me? And um, so, yeah, the, the, the start was very much uh, swim or drown. Um, I think um, I drowned when I tried to pilot three asteroid fields in a row and then you swam when you just did it. Yeah. You'd have to worry yeah. about asteroids for the rest of the game. And I was like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Really cool. um, I, I, I mean, that's the, the same with my amazing maneuver I did. Um, on the second try, I did it. On the first try, the first roll I did killed me. So um, <laughs> it's a game where... I feel like you have to accept that you can't plan. Um, you can set yourself some objective and try to reach it. And then you have your amazing engine, like the best one in the game, and you roll the die and you move one space. Um, this can happen. 
So as soon as I kind of accepted that for myself, it became a lot more fun. Um, basically also what, what you said, Fan, like not trying to win really. It's, it's more like, yeah, traveling the stars and, and having fun and going on adventures. Um, <clears throat> regarding game length, um, I can imagine it's, it's getting faster with more experience. I mean, we've seen it in our game, uh, like until someone reached three fame points, it took quite a while. But later on, it became faster. And um, still, yeah. I feel like downtime is a problem because yeah. player turns can take quite a long time. Um, so that's are... one of the things my partner loves about the game is, is they can just chill out and like chat when it's not, not their turn. And so it's quite a nice group activity of the, literally like what they call the beer and pretzels situation. You know, you're not because the game's not serious enough to really sit there and plan your turn. And when it comes around, you're just like, OK, well, I was going to try and do this. Oh, I've blown up your turn. Yeah, that's the thing where sometimes you 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 have your plan for a turn and then you roll uh, move one twice and then you blow up and then you just have to accept the consequence of that. Uh, that that can be a problem. I think that the um, the biggest problem with that is probably that you we, we have so many action, so many different actions that you can do, and so many different goals that you can set yourself. Sometimes it can be a bit uh, a bit much. And I, at least on the um, uh, the virtual version, it was kind of hard to follow other people's turn because you need to look at their sheet, you need to look at the the board. You need to find their uh, ship within the the very colorful uh, mess that the table was, <laughs> uh, but I think that was the virtual tables. Um, it, it it definitely issue. is. Um, the um, virtual table is very very busy. And very it gives loud. You, like it is loud. Yes. Uh, Visually. Uh, it, and it gives you like everything. The the board's a little easier to kind of get with, but it still can be hard to see what other people's ships are. Because I can imagine that having a uh, three dimension. Is, is probably makes makes our things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think that the only aspect that I liked a little bit less with the game was the um, uh, the randomness of some roles. Uh, thankfully, there is there are some ways to mitigate that um, through the the different uh, modules that you can add to your ship. But I I found about that a little bit late into the game. Yeah. But sometimes having like a very like one of the last roll of the game was me using uh, my uh, max level missiles or hoping to blow up the um, uh, lawful enforcer of the galaxy. And I rolled a pitiful uh, 6 out of 20, I think. Uh, out of the die 20, I rolled a 6. And so they they just completely um, nullified my attack and I couldn't, yeah. couldn't get the, uh, them down. Well, you say that, but in contrast, your previous missile uh, two turns earlier obliterated mm. it in a single shot, which also yeah, exactly. usually shouldn't happen. So Yeah, but, but both of those are... Uh, I'd rather have a, a more controlled uh, yeah. spread of that. Well, um, that's where, again, the game gives you a little bit because yeah. you could buy a shield piercer and mount it. And if you were like, I don't... Missiles only fire one missile a turn because they're they got really long range, but you could have a shield piercing blaster and get two shots, ignoring four points of shields, 
Um, so yeah, there that's, is that's a it's lot the expansion that added a lot of that stuff in. Uh, the main game just didn't have it, uh, and yeah. it was yeah, you could be but, frustrating. But but it, I I think that what well, that's the design of the game that does mm-hmm. so much randomness and that's uh, a lot of your turn can be you cannot plan your turn as as Kara said. I think that was uh, very much part of the game. Um, there was also the mission aspect with which I don't feel I fully grasped, um, but it felt a bit hard to to complete them or to to plan for them. Um, or to plan around them, uh, rather. Uh, but maybe uh, maybe that was also because my ship was not exactly uh, meant to travel around the galaxy fast. No, your ship was very slow. Yes. It, it was uh, it was very slow that, and sneaky. That was a big problem at the, the start. I think that I, if I played it again, I would go for a faster ship. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, like, if you want to do missions, you typically want the D10... The, I think it's the D8 or the D12... Or is it D10 engine? You want the bigger one of the two bigger engines. The medium one's actually like pretty good, and you can also buy the module that increases your dice roll by two. Um, you can't go above maximum, but then if you're on a D8 and you're rolling between a three and an eight, and like several results just create an eight, that helps uh, as well. I think that after two hours of game, we were at. Um five victory points with you being at three i think yeah. and then in the last hours uh in the last 40 minutes we we got uh Cara got five points i got three and you got i got one, one. yes <laughs> yes um it's it's it accelerates a lot towards the end it, it, but also it as does. soon as we we learned how the game functioned i think yeah uh i think i, th- I think as well i'd like to just talk about my very favorite aspect which is the ship design mm. um i really yes. like i like Polyominominoes. Um, I I like fitting them in, and I, I enjoy the way each ship has its own layout that you're trying to fit these awkward shapes into, and then leave space for uh, like cargo and everything. Um, it's kind kind of interesting, and also the way the, each of the modules has like a set number of ways you can arm it. So like an engine might have three slots, so you can activate it three times in a turn if you're willing to spend the energy. Or, whereas a missile or blasters is less. I think that's really neat how you can customize it. Mm. And the ship power I enjoy as well because you know you have a choice of two powers to pick for your ship and they can change a bit how it focuses. Uh, I thought like once you upgraded to a tier two ship, I was like, damn, that ship's impressive. Yeah, the the, the ship powers are, are very fun and, and they're usually either passive or like um, they cost energy but, but give you a, a very strong bonus uh, later. And they can get... I, I can definitely see uh, that those powers completely influence the strategy that you're going for. Yeah, mine was uh, um, whenever I drew a sector, I was allowed to orientate it in whatever direction I wanted as opposed to having to have it in the fixed direction, which was great for blind jumping. Um, and also then if I'd have gotten all the sectors onto the board, uh, it would have changed my impulse engine from three squares to four. So I'd have always had at least four movement a turn. Um, but I couldn't get the last sectors out. That's why I was like, big engine, tiny shield, off we go, explore, explore. Oh, wait, this is not working. Yeah, I think in the end, it's, it's re- you have to like randomness. Um, and for example, um, <laughs> that's something like you could say, yeah, I'm going for trading. Yeah, I, I want to just fly around and trade. And um, then you get a mission. And in the mission, you're supposed to kill someone 
and it's like, okay, <laughs> that doesn't really fit my style. And yes, you draw three mission cards and pick one, but you can draw three missions where you have to fight something. Um, yeah, you, you can, but you also always have the option to just abandon a mission and go draw some new ones. So it just costs yeah. you a bit. And yeah. like when you die, you roll where you respawn. Mm -hmm. And so it could happen that you respawn and you find yourself in a kind of closed off area of the galaxy where nothing to trade is suddenly. And um, so your trading ship is kind of useless suddenly and you have to think <laughs> of something else. We, so um, we started the game with only one station onto the, the map that can regenerate all energy. And a, a, like, I think that all of us except you, Kara, because you, you had a ship that didn't have that problem, uh, were very much in, in risk of drifting. <laughs> yeah, the puddle jumper was very good for the layout that landed yeah. out there. Um, I, I wanted to also quickly note one of my favorite mechanics in this game is the exploring mechanic where you get to the edge of an existing tile and you can either stop and spend energy to scan the tile that's next to you. You draw it, you look at it, you put it down and you get the information or you can just chance it, move yourself into a space that's blank and just draw the tile and play it and orientate it. And so just a, pretty much a rite of passage for almost everyone is eventually pushing it too much and blind jumping into something that just destroys them, which is uh, um, immensely enjoyable if, you, if you're cool with that. If you're cool with your plans getting blown up in a horrible uh, hellfire and then you have to respawn somewhere else on the map, um, that's okay. But uh, it's also once your ship gets bigger, you've got to start or you've got a lot of cargo or something. You shouldn't be doing that. You should not be blind jumping, should you, Alexis? No, that is uh, that can be a very, very dangerous uh, that, initiative. That, that was the move that cost you like the game. I think was where you yeah. blind jumped while you had a load of valuable cargo, and you just went straight into something that blew you up. Uh, I was like, it, it was a comet. Yeah, okay, that's right. You landed in the path of a comet, and it just went. It just yeah. steamrolled you. I, 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 I just I started like, my criminal career, got a bounty, and then ran into a comet as fast as I could. I was like, if you, if you, I was thinking you really got to, you should expire, you should, you should scan. But I was like, not. Uh, it was like a brief thought right after you declared the blind jump and moved and drawed, and I was like, oh no. Well, at least you took it well. So, um, that's Zaya, and as you can hear, it kicks off a lot of stories. I did have a chance to talk about the solo mode. Um, I would just briefly say I really like it because it um, gives you a goal and has a campaign and everything. Um, it's very enjoyable, but that's in the expansion. So this is not a cheap game to get. And the expansion's not cheap. And typically it's out of print in most places. But if it goes on Kickstarter again, or some of the crowdfunding, hopefully some of the crowdfunding, let's let's use Kickstarter a bit less, people, please. Um, give it a look if you're thinking, I'm cool with this kind of randomness and I want a elite slash frontier, uh, no man's sky kind of experience on a board game. And I don't mind randomness and a bit of downtime to chat with people or look at my phone or whatever. So, uh, it's time now to charge up your photon torpedoes and engage the warp drive for pitched battle. Shields up, Commander Kara, you have the helm. Yes, let's talk about Star Wars The X-Wing miniatures game. And... I'm really sorry. I'm, I might just, with this question, lose my street cred. Not street cred completely, but do they have warp drives in Star Wars? 
No, they don't. That was exactly the joke. Was none of that stuff was in Star Wars. It's all. All right. <laughs> all right. Great. Good thing. <laughs> I didn't lose my nerd cred. So, um, anyway, um, Star Wars X-Wing miniatures game um, was first released in 2012 and got a second edition in 2018 and um, is probably like one of the most known miniatures game outside of like Warhammer um, stuff. So, um, first of all, one big reason why I started getting into it, it has pre-painted miniatures. I am not a miniature game, a miniature painter, so um, that's a big plus for me because like having armies of grey soldiers on a table isn't as much fun as if they're painted. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's basically a skirmish game. You um, build your um, squadron of a couple of ships, like somewhere between two and maybe eight ships. Um, you can outfit them with different upgrades depending on which ship it is. Um, and then you find it out. Um, the normal uh, game mode is like, I think, 70 minutes timer. And after this, uh, you count points like how many points everyone has left and the one with the most points left has one. Um, <clears throat> but you can also just, you know, play until one side is completely annihilated or whatever. It's very, it's very um, variable in how you want to play it. It's officially a two-player game, but of course there's nothing stopping you from having three people or four people or more um, putting their squadrons on the table and duking it out. So, um, yeah. Um, the rules, I just found out that it's, uh, the, the rules system has a name and I, and I forgot the name again. Um, let me just, yes, the flight path game system. So, um, when you activate a ship, you have to decide beforehand the maneuver it has to take. So um, everyone decides on the maneuvers for this round with uh, hidden dials. Then you, um, in initiative order, flip the dials um, and do the maneuvers. You have templates um, for those. So you um, slot them into uh, on uh, between two packs on the bases of the ships and then uh, move your ship according to the template. And um, after that, um, Again, in initiative order, um, the ships can fire on each other, which is done by using dice. There are red dice for attacking, green dice for defending. And um, yeah, if you roll an evade on a green die, you can cancel one hit on a red die. And that's very basically explained what uh, the rules are. Um, of course, with more upgrades come more special cases and abilities and things you can do, ways you can mitigate dice rolls, etc. So um, I have to admit at this point, I'm not very, neither am I good, not am I very knowledgeable about the game because I'm, I've only recently got into it and didn't have much games yet. Um, I do did find um, a X-Wing community 
not too far from here, but due to the pandemic, it's kind of difficult to, to go to their uh, weekly meetings. Um, but so my first impressions, um, you likely would start with the core box and it has like one X-Wing X and two TIE Fighters. And um, there are three ways you can play with this. The first one is you just take the X-Wing, you take the TIE Fighters and you start without any upgrades or anything, which is great for just getting started, getting a feel for how the game works. And um, that's what I did with a friend and it was kind of frustrating because the randomness was really high in it. And um, it took a long time until someone finally managed to actually do damage and, and so on. So um, it was good to, as I said, learn the rules, but it wasn't as much fun. The second way is something that I think is really great for beginners, um, quick build cards. I'm at the point that I'm trying to figure out how to build my squadron for the next, uh, like next Thursday. Um, I'm visiting this uh, X-Wing community again, and I'm trying to build squadrons for it. And it's it's so much work, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, quick build cards are basically like predefined templates um, with a challenge rating. Um, so you might have an X-Wing and Luke Skywalker has a challenge rating of three and you look at a quick build card and see, okay, he comes with this, this, and this upgrade. So you just take out the cards, put it on the table and know this is a challenge rating of three. And in a regular game, you would pick ships with a combined rating of eight. Um, of course, with the core set, you don't get to eight, but you would have the X-Wing with four challenge rating and then the other player can pick the two TIE fighters with a setup that has combined challenge rating of four as well. And then you have a more or less fair game with upgrades and um, and suddenly it becomes really fun um, if you have more things to do and um, especially if you have multiple ships, they can interact in some way, they can give each other tokens or whatever. Um, and then of course you can start using the uh, fleet builder apps and try to wade through the depths of special cases and synergies and, and whatnot and try to not lose your mind while building a 200 point squadron and then post it in a community and immediately get told that it's completely rubbish <laughs> what you did but um, yeah so that's uh, X-Wing. <laughs> I played it a few times. Um, I really like how it's engaged the player with a rule for dogfighting. I think that that aspect is really fun when you you, you do the, the dogfighting uh, with uh, X-Wings against uh, TIE Fighter. Um, I'm going to get half of those names uh, wrong, but that's fine. Um, I, I'm not a, a Star Wars guy. Uh, but I... Oh, no. What are you, then? What are you? Uh, uh, are you uh, a, a Star Trek guy? I think that... Uh, Farscape? Better. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Stargate. Uh, I said Farscape, the... but Stargate, sure. 
<laughs> to show that nobody remembers. Uh, no, I, I prefer Star Trek. Anyway, everyone um, remembers Farscape. Yeah, Jim is the puppets. Uh, Jim Henson puppets. I, I, I'm a Red Dwarf uh, person. Oh, okay. And, and uh, Lex. All I right, like but, Lex a lot. Uh, my dad loves Lex. Um, it's very it's, strange. It, 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 it is. I like the theme song to Lex. That's about as much as I know. I remember being very little and hearing that. Obviously, I was not allowed to watch Lex, and I found out why later when I got older. It's not yeah. exactly um, suited for children. It's um, not suited for most people, I would say. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, quickly before we get back on topic, uh, yeah. what was your favourite Red Dwarf season? Ooh. Uh, I feel think that I remember, I don't remember if it's season 3 or 4, but the one with Rimmerworld in it was really good. Well, that's a good, Rimmerworld's a, a good call. I think that's season yeah. 6. Is it season 6? Yeah, it's season 6. It's my favourite season, season 6, because it has Gunmen in the Apocalypse in it. Um, which is my favourite Red Dwarf episode, so, yeah. It's episode 5 of season 6. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I thought for a moment you were going to say the, the episode with Mr. Flibble, which would have also been a fantastic episode uh, season. That's three. <laughs> it Quarantine. Is a good, it is a good one. Yeah. My, uh, da- my dad again got me hooked on Red Dwarf. So. <laughs> uh, he's also uh, a Star Trek guy. Anyway, uh, that's that's off topic. Yeah, X-Wing. Uh, I've, X-Wing. I, if I don't sound like I know much, it's because I played X-Wing exactly twice and I spent the whole time being excited about BB-8. <laughs> I I think it's a very um, it's a very fun game. It's made by um, ah, I don't remember their name uh, right now. But they also made uh, Netrunner, which is uh, I knew them from that community. Uh, from that community. Do you, do you uh, mean Fantasy Flight Games? Fa- Fantasy Flight Games. That's the one. I, I don't remember the giant conglomerate. Now they've been consumed by another giant conglomerate, Asmodee, yes. which has been consumed <laughs> by another giant conglomerate. Uh, yeah, but I think they that... Asmodee kind of sold it to Atomic yeah. Mass Games. That's it has possible. it has changed um, hands now. I, I know there's a second edition, um, and there's I, some I, confusion about stuff. I remember that they posted that, that that at some point. I don't remember if it if it was plans to have that or if it was if it actually came out. But there was plans to merge the two games, their X-wing and their play the Star Wars character into a battlefield uh, to to merge the two games so that after managing to win a fight in X-Wing, you could move on to the battlefield with the their, their other game. Uh, I'm looking right now for the, the name of that game. It's Star Wars uh, Battle for the Galaxy or something like that. Um, in any case, I liked X-Wing a lot. The only uh, point that makes it a little bit hard is that it, it has a very expensive cost to get into it, right? I think that the base game is like a hundred. No, uh, no, no, no. The no? base game is they like forty it. or fifty euros. Oh, that's good. Um, and in fact, it's it's the price. Actually, one thing I would say speaks for it in regards to entry cost. If you compare it to yeah. other um, miniature games, um, of course, you can spend a ton of money on it. Yeah. Yes. Um, like. It depends on how much you play it, on on what your goals are. Um, I mean, you could say, uh, yeah, sure, I just buy a couple of ships, so I, you know, with my quick build cards, I can get to challenge rating of eight, uh, simple enough, and then I'm happy, and maybe I have two factions, so someone can come over and we can play, and then you are you 
or likely won't pay more than 100 euros. Um, but um, of course, if you want to focus on a faction and want to get everything from this faction, there are seven factions, I believe, in the game. Um, like the main factions from each trilogy and uh, then the scum and villainy faction, which is basically all the bounty hunters and such. And um, ooh, 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 ooh. do they have the robot? They IG eighty eight. I think it is. They they will get the robot. I I think it is. It's one of the newest releases that's about to come. Cool. cool. Um, that's my second favorite robot in the series. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> and of course, if, if you want to have everything from a faction, you will pay likely more and then it depends on how flexible you want to be with your squadron builds of course uh, like i've decided on the uh, galactic republic as a faction and um, i have quite a few ships now but i've seen builds online where they used like four delta 7 ever sprites it's the jedi uh, fighters from the clone wars and um I have two, so I if I wanted to do such a build, I had to buy two additional of these ships, which would be another 40 euros. Um, so yeah, you, you can spend a lot, you don't have to. Like if you if you are fine with having a small dogfight, you could just buy two core sets, then you have two X-Wings, four TIE Fighters, and you could have, have a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, just with a, a friend or two, yeah. just have a enjoy yourself with. Experience. Aren't those people? Aren't those people in our uh, gaming circle, like in the sphere? Aren't the people who go, "I'll buy this one thing, and that's all I want"? Aren't they like unicorns? Are they just <laughs> super rare? Is it? Is it? I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I can't go near this. I'm, obviously, as we know previously, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars anyway. Um, although I love HK47. Um, it's it's the kind of thing I look at and I go, oh dear, this is a rabbit hole. This is like this is suddenly a where is my shelf space now? I'm running out of it situation. Just looking at this stuff, so oof, I I couldn't help myself. I'll uh, I'll stick with Wings of War. I think that's <laughs> I can't, you can't buy that anymore. So there's no <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean what just was posted in the channel here? It's a picture of like the Epic Games because there is like an, an upgrade you can do. There, I, I've only talked about the regular um, dogfight, and there are Epic battles you can do where you can field big ships. Um, you know, like the CR-90 Corvettes or um, the, um, I think the Imperial ship is like a TIE fighter carrier that I can, like, like two TIE fighters can dock to it. And um, it has special rules there. You don't use like individual fighters, but that's the next thing. Okay, I buy my Corvette for like 90 euros. And then, of course, I want to have a squadron with it. So the squadron consists of multiple of the same ship so i want to have like four of four x-wings now in a squadron so i have to buy four x-wings and so yeah you can sink a lot of money into that um i'm very happy that the second edition hasn't released the a uh, republic epic ship yet <laughs> yeah 
I feel pretty sure that um, a friend of mine, one of the guys in my role-playing group, Nick, has a ton of this stuff. Because he's where I played the game before moving to Sweden. Um, uh, but also I get it mixed up with Star Wars Armada, which is also by Fantasy Flight. And I think that's my friend Jim, who loves big ship battles. I think he has Armada, which is like... I have that as well. We can talk about it in another episode. <laughs> sure, if you want to, if you want, if you want to return to Star Wars some more, um, knock yourself out. I'm not going to stop you. Star Wars fans are very welcome. I'm just going to go back to talking about liking the droids in the setting, and that's about it. I will say that uh, the, the gameplay aspect of it is really fun. So that's. Uh... I remember the maneuvering yeah. to be very enjoyable in the same way that I liked the maneuvering for. Um, uh, wings of war that kind yeah. of dogfighting you got to turn in certain ways and follow the rules as to how the ship is able to maneuver is pretty cool what what's definitely a, a, a somewhat of a hurdle i mean i i've talked about how difficult it is for me to like build squadrons um i did notice yes uh experience has a has a big impact like um my few fights I did with this community were very one-sided and um, I was like happy that I did a little bit of damage and um, because um, yeah they the people who've played it a lot are like they know what my ships can do and not only that they also know to use this information like I could look up their maneuver dials and see okay your ship can do these maneuvers and i can't do anything with that information at uh, my skill level so um yeah um so so if you want to start with this game i think it really helps to have like someone else start with you um so you are like somewhat on the same level um or you know just Find a community that's fine with, uh, I don't know, just trying out weird builds against you. So chances are they don't have like the most optimal synergies or whatnot, or uh, even be okay with using quick build cards. So you um, you don't have to wait through this whole quadrant building thing. Sounds a bit like my experiences in playing uh, CEDH, Competitive Commander, where it's like, oh, this is a really refined and like competitive format, and uh, you can't just rock up with any old Commander deck. You, you, you're going to ruin the experience for yourself and everyone else. I mean, that's another thing. I, I'm I'm in this game for like half a year now, and. Um, so I can't comment on it, but of course they do release new ships from time to time. And um, as with, I think, many miniatures games, there is always this complaint that new ships get released, new ships are the strongest. So if you want to stay competitive, you have to get the new stuff all the time. Um, Hello, power creep, my old friend. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same with X-Wing 2nd Edition because there is one thing that's also very different from other games. The point costs aren't printed on the cards. 
So um, you can just sit down with your cards and build your squadron. You have to use an app um, where the point costs are saved and they can get changed. So um, that's good. That allows them to, to update it and patch it if need be. Yeah. So basically, if in fact it turns out a new ship is too strong, either they, will, they can um, raise uh, the costs for it or they can lower costs for other things. So, yeah, I don't know in how far they are actually doing it, but the option is there at least. It seems like it has a very active community and very, uh, they're very enthusiastic about it as well. Yes, That's and good. it has a solo mode. <laughs> Or multiple. I mean, there are community-built AIs. I haven't tried those yet, mainly because I haven't gotten around to printing out the rules. <laughs> but um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, indeed. That's uh, that is. Hang on. This is always a mouthful. Star Wars X-wing, the miniatures game, and its second edition. You're mostly talking about, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's fantastic. And on that note, it's time for us to beam down for some well-earned shore leave on the relaxing ocean world of planet 4546B. I've heard they have <laughs> beaches to die for. So please perform culturally significant farewells, Admiral. Uh, from Belgium, au revoir. And Commander. From Germany, auf Wiederhören. This is First Officer Fenn of the EUSS Last Standee signing off. You can support us at www.patreon.com forward slash Last Standee and follow us on Twitter at The Last Standee whenever our communications array is working. Until next time, remember that the second E in the ship's log stands for Enterprise. <laughs>